When it comes to planning your future, how much of it, honestly, do you give to God? How often do you pray and seek the counsel and wisdom of God to direct and to bear fruit in your future? Well, in today's episode, we're going to be diving into James chapter 4, looking at verses 13 through 17, as we discover foolish planning for the future that God does not honor. So turn to James chapter 4, and let's dive into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you guys are blessed in the Lord. So thankful to join you guys once again here on the podcast. Today is podcast 154, where we left off last time in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, where we talked about the three specific relationships that you and I need to get right here on earth. Now, let me just give you a quick little recap before I introduce to you the next passage in James chapter 4, 13 through 17, that we'll be covering on today's podcast. But last time we were discovering the three relationships and what were they? One was God. Obviously, first and foremost, our relationship with God is the most important. But we also know the second one is likened to the first where we, if we love God, we love others. And if we love others, we will love God. Well, what's the third? If God and people are the relationships, those are the kind of relationships that we we think about, right? They're the only relationships. Well, no, there's one more. There's a third one that James talks about. And that is our relationship to the royal law. And again, that in essence is making sure that we are in right step, that we are in communion with God's word, that we're obedient to it. Because remember the whole thing about James, you guys, that we've been talking about since day one, as we've been doing a verse by verse teaching in the, the book of James is making sure that our faith is not just a profession, but it's something that we live out in our lives on a regular basis, that we have works to our faith. Because remember in James chapter two, faith without works is dead. Now we're not saved in accordance to a work-based religion, but we are saved through faith in Christ alone for good works. And so that's in essence what we were looking at last week. Now, as we dive into this particular passage in verses 13 through 17 of James chapter four, we're now kind of changing gears where James is going to be calling out to the merchants, the, the wealthy land owners. It's not like James, again, because James is very blunt. So it's not like he's hinting around his audience. But, but in this particular passage, he definitely going to be calling out a specific group of people in the church that have been causing a, a lot of turmoil. And so that's what we're going to be looking at when it comes to the type of planning these people were putting forward and kind of the bad example that they were setting for the early church. And so James addresses that. And so, of course, as we dive into this passage, I pray that we would be able to heed the counsel and wisdom that James is giving to the readers and to the church today, that you and I would say, yes, James, we have to be cautious in how we are planning for our futures. We can't be so fixated on our retirement or getting that second home or buying that uh, vehicle or 
you know, moving forward into, you know, starting this new business and hopefully making more money and building my clientele. And all those things are good things, right? In and of themselves. But where we go wrong is the motives behind them, the intent. If greed is, the, is what has been, is driving us to plan the future accordingly. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, you guys. And so the title today is Foolish Planning for the Future. So these people that Paul, or excuse me, that James addresses are planning for the future, but it's foolish planning because in essence, it's built on greed. And so I want you to stop and think as we're going to jump into this passage, how much in your life, how many decisions about your future that you're living right now that you decided, you know, year, two, three, four, five, ten, twenty 20 years ago, how much of how you're living today is a result of greedy choices that you wanted a certain outcome and you were not willing to heed the Lord. You know, I've mentioned a time or two on this podcast, friends of mine who it was very clear that God was calling them to go down a certain path. And I think verse 17, so keep that in mind, just Keep in mind verse 17 comes to mind oftentimes with a lot of Christians. And so it's not a matter of what they failed or, you know, what they were failing in doing, you know, for example, like a moral failure, I should say, it's not because of a moral failure that God couldn't use them. Obviously that is the case for, for people, but sometimes I'll mention people in life who failed to do what they should have done. And that, James says, is sin. And so I'm reminded, you guys, there were a lot of people who are foolishly planning their futures. And it's foolish because they're neglecting God's will. They wanted something different. They wanted to marry someone different than the one that God had for them. They wanted to go to a different school. Uh, they wanted to go to a different profession or whatever the case may be. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, you guys. So whatever's going on in your life right now, if there's a tough decision, if you're in the process right now and you're trying to figure out what is God's will for my life? Matter of fact, on that very topic, if you go to Jason, my middle name, Philip, but just look up Jason P for Philip Jimenez, Jason P Jimenez on YouTube, look up my YouTube channel and you can type in in the search thing, the will of God, or what is the will of God? And a video will pop up that I did you know, concerning that. Hopefully that'll be very helpful for you guys to watch. But that's what we're talking about today is, you know, if, if, if you're struggling right now on what God's will is for your life, this is going to help you guys today. Now, the main thing is, again, I'm not going to be breaking down the sovereign will versus the moral will versus preferred will or anything like that. What I'm going to be looking at specifically is making sure based on what James is going to be talking about, making sure that your heart is not being deceived because of greed. That you don't make decisions for your future selfishly. So if you have a Bible, let's look at James chapter four. Let's see what James has to say. Let's read through the verses. And then as always, we'll dive in and kind of break, break it apart a little bit verse by verse to kind of see contextually the truths that are packed into this passage. 
So verse 13, notice the phrase here right off the bat. James says, come now. That literally means now listen. You who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Notice verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Wow. So again, a very short passage as we've been kind of breaking down each episode, we're covering Little portions of the book of James. Again, very little. For five chapters, you can sit and read the book of James. Probably take you less, roughly around maybe 10, 12 minutes tops. But the reason why on this podcast that I, as we're going verse by verse, take portions like this and make a whole episode out of them is because they're just packed with so much, so much wisdom in each verse. And so, of course, this passage today in James chapter 4, 13 through 17 is no exception. So right off the bat, if you notice, what James does here in all appearances, by all appearances, James, is when he says, come now, now listen, you who say. So he is responding to certain beliefs or certain statements that people are making. And this is where, as I was saying in the opening, where James is directly, and he's going to do this in James chapter 5. So he's kind of building, right? These are like four warnings. And then in James 5, he's going to unleash against the greedy rich. So he's speaking to the wealthy landowners and the merchants within the Christian community who boasted of their profits and power. So you know like that friend right now, let's say for example at church, and rather than really talking about your faith now, you want to talk about life. You want to talk about the game sometimes. But, they, you know, they, they skip over how the children are and really praying for one another and, and, you know, stir up love and good works, as the Bible says. But, you know, instead of all that, you have a friend who just talks about, who boasts about their successes. Uh, you know, it, it never ceases to amaze me how often, even in my own local church, I will ask somebody, maybe an acquaintance, you know, brother, sister in Christ, but somebody I don't hang out with on a regular basis. But I say, hey, how are things going? How, how's life? And typically, the man's response is work-related. And there's some guys who want to show off and talk about a deal they made or a dinner they're at or a product they're selling or you know, the bonus that they're hoping to get at the end of the year and they're going to buy a boat or whatever, right? And that's, you know what, good for you. But sometimes the way they're talking, it's very boastful. And that's what James is saying here, you guys, is people go around and they are showing people how credible they are based on the amount of profitability that they've been making in business. And as, as such, you know, the kind of, power struggle that they might be in as they are vying to 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 win over certain hearts and minds or trying to achieve a certain status a prestigious right status 
in, in, uh, in society. And so what James is doing here is responding to people who are saying today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So I want to stop and just say this. James is being very direct about this. And I believe we need to be, we need to heed that in our own lives and we need to do the same or respond. And so to hit home today, when you're, when you're hearing someone who just boasts about, oh yeah, we're going to go do this and our business is this and our business is that. And we're planning on, you know, the market, you know, you know, continuing the way the market's continuing to show signs of this, we're going to go invest over there. That's when you start looking at these people and say, Hey, where's your trust in the Lord? Or how much of this that you're talking about is of God? You say, well, Jay, you know, if I, uh, if I talk like that to some of my friends, they might take it the wrong way. So be it. Because if you're sitting around in a conversation with people and all they're boasting about is their successes, the profits they've made and the power that they have or that they're striving to achieve. I'll never forget a friend, you know, he held like a deacon and position at one point in the church that I was a pastor at. And, you know, it just seemed like every time I talked to him, it was about him working up the ladder of success, the corporate ladder, right? We, we oftentimes refer to as, and that's where his identity was. And to be honest, he was not a guy that I, I respected. Was he a sharp business guy? Sure. But those are a dime a dozen, but he was so fixated on what he was looking to achieve in the bank industry that he was about money, plain and simple. And so just be sensitive to that when you're having conversations, particularly people in the churches, how much of money and success do they talk about? So this phrase trade and make a prophecy, James isn't, he's not saying to these people, remember, because he's responding to them saying, this is what we're going to go do. We're going to go into this town. We're going to do this kind of business. We'll be there for a year. We'll make some trade. We'll make a profit. He's not in any way, shape or form rebuking or saying it's wrong to plan ahead. You know, I, I think of my brother, he's a general contractor. If when, you know, he, if he wants to build something, th there's a lot of planning with the zoning, getting permits, pulling perm permits. So there's a lot of approval process that you got to, you can't just wing it to put a house together, right? From scratch. From the surveyor on, there's a lot of going on. And that, so again, James is not dismissing that. He's not saying it's wrong to do that. Of course you have to do that. What he's saying, what's wrong, and this is important, is to exclude God when making plans for the future. See, we oftentimes, that's our plan and we're sticking to it and we just expect God to bless it. And we justify in our minds. Well, you know, the more money I make, the more I can give to God, to the purposes that God wants me to. The question is, are you? And even if you are, are you giving out of a cheerful heart? So again, trade and make a profit. That's a good thing. All of us are to do that, to be wise, to be good stewards. You know, the idea is not to invest money and to lose money all the time. Otherwise, we'd have no money. We'd be bankrupt. But is to, to, to trade and to make a profit, but to take the profit that we make and to wisely and as good stewards invest it in the things that God has called us to do. 
So again, it's not wrong to plan ahead. What's wrong is when you're planning ahead and you don't seek the, the counsel of God. Not only that, but James is, he's calling out the desire that people have just to make money. That's, that's it. That's it. You know, I, I sometimes watch, I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show on CB, CNSB, uh, CNBC, CNBC called The Prophet. And it's Marcellus Nimonis. And, you know, of course, in the opening, he says, I do it because, you know, I love people, family business. He comes from a family business originally. He's a, he's a, he's a man who's been adopted. And um, he's very passionate about helping people turn their business around. But he says, but I also do it to make money. So, of course, there should be no hidden agenda there. But the one thing that I, I like about the show, and I'm assuming again, that it's as real as it can be, you know, real business and him making a real investment and trying to help this family, you know, or this person who started the business. And, you know, of course, as any business will, will eventually come to a point where they may need some outside help, right? And so he comes in and help them. Now, if he alleviates that or invests in them and, and saves the day, good. And so he's saying that, it's his sole purpose of doing it is not just to make money. It's, it's to help people and in the process to make money. But what the point here is if you're just doing it to make money and that's it because you're greedy because we know that greed blinds people and what happens is it blinds people from, from seeing or hearing from God. So you're deaf. It blinds you and it deafens you. And so James is calling out the desire to just make money that you don't become blinded and miss how God can use you to care for those people around you. I love what Theology of Work Commentary says, quote, James's words should make Christians more aware of the need to continually reassess, adapt, and adjust. Our plans should be flexible and our execution response to changing conditions. In one sense, this is simply good business practice, yet in a deeper sense, it is a spiritual matter for we need to respond not only to market conditions, but also to God's leading in our work. See this, let me just take a pause from the commentary, what they're saying, like we were just saying earlier, it's okay to plan ahead for the future, but don't plan without seeking God's approval and his blessing. So theology of work commentary, I love this one, says, in a deeper sense, in a spiritual matter, we need to respond not only to market conditions. So again, study the market. What's, what's, what are some of the signs that are taking place in the market? But, but at the same time, make sure that you're seeking the leading of God in your work. The commentary continues to say, this brings us back to James's exhortation to listen with deep attention. Christian leadership consists not in forcing others to comply with our plans and actions, but in adapting ourselves to God's word and God's unfolding guidance in our lives. Don't you love that? It's adapting ourselves to God's word. So be in God's word daily, especially you guys right now, if you are contemplating what to do next in something, job related, relationship related, whatever the case may be, seek the word of God, seek him in prayer and notice God's unfolding guidance will be there in your life. There may be a new position. Matter of fact, I was just telling one of my children a story of a good friend of mine. There was a company that he'd worked for for many years. And they 
we're going to give him a raise, but he had to move, move his entire family. And that wasn't something he wanted to do because they had found a place, a home where they were living. And so he actually turned down the offer, took another job and was paying him less, still good money, but paying him less. And he didn't regret it. There's not a day that he regretted it. So again, it's not always about the money. And I love that with my friend because he chose to do what God, he felt God was calling him to. And the money that God is blessing with, God is using that family to give back. Now he could have said, well, if I took that job, left everything here and went to a new city and took on a bigger job, I'd have more money to give. But no, it doesn't always work that way. God is using him where he needs him to be with the resources that he has. And we have to be reminded of that. So here in verse 14, it says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So we can plan so much that you you actually forget to realize you don't know the future, neither do I. And I love this because then James says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then he vanishes. Once again, James, as he oftentimes, there's not a chapter. Matter of fact, you go through just a few verses and you're going to hit another scripture in the Old Testament that Paul, or excuse me, that James uses. And in this case here in verse 14, James is referencing Proverbs 21 verse 1 which says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day will bring. So the idea here is one of the reasons when we do plan for the future, not foolishly, but wisely, and we're seeking the Lord, we recognize that God is omniscient. I may be very talented in something. You may be very talented. You may be very gifted. You could, let's say, read the market or you're really good in business. It's like for me, you know, when I, when I plot and plan a book, I have no idea who's going to buy the book. I, matter of fact, er, when that early on, you know, conception of the book comes to mind, I don't even have a publisher in mind. Okay. There's a lot that goes into it. So I have to plan and put things together, but there's so much of the future that I don't know. There's, so there's some assumption that I have, especially when you're putting up a book proposal that I'm having handing to my agent who then on my behalf goes out there and submits it in front of a bunch of publishers. There's a lot of assumption that we're all working off of. Only God knows the future. God is omniscient. Only God knows all things. We don't. We can speculate. We can be hopeful. And this phrase, what is your life? That's not, again, saying, who cares about your life? Like, who are you? Does God even care about you? Your life is meaningless. Of course, he's not saying that. What he's saying is not only is the future uncertain, but life itself, you guys, is uncertain. You know, a lot of people dream to be someone or to do something and that never happens. Maybe it's of God, maybe it isn't. But it's not just about the future. It's also how are you taking care of your life right now? Because life is fragile. There's a lot of uncertainty that goes into life. And so we cannot neglect that. And so that's why James says life is like a mist. It's like moisture hitting hot concrete. So this phrase here that he uses about life being a mist, it's describing the transitory nature of life. That's something the Old Testament you see. Again, here's James alluding back to the Old Testament. He talks about it being like breath. Life is like breath. Inhale and exhale, just like that, boom. Life comes and goes, Job chapter seven. Or life is like a cloud. It appears and then it, it's gone, Job seven, nine. Hand breaths, mere breath, a shadow, Psalm 39. 
an evening shadow in Psalm 102. Hosea 13 verse 3 writes, says this, Therefore they shall be like the morning mist or like the, or like the dew that goes early away, like the chaff that swirls from the threshing floor or like smoke from a window. So again, this is, this is to cause you and I to be humble and not prideful. Yes, you may be talented, you guys. Yes, God may have blessed you in times past. And you're considering about, you know, you're considering making an, an investment of some sort. And there could be a little bit of you like, hey, today or tomorrow, we're going to go in such such town. We're going to do this and that. And I'm going to make a profit. And it sounds reasonable. But just check your heart. And also not only that, but how have you been investing in life in general? Not in a particular project, not in a job, not in a profession, a career, just life in itself. When it comes to your faith, when it comes to using your spiritual gifts, when it comes to your relationships, how are you investing in them? There, there's, a, there's a deep level of humility when we think about what is life and when we think about Life is like a mist that appears one moment and gone the next. So when Job is even suffering, does not belittle, it does not taint, it doesn't take away from his suffrage, the pain that he was going through, the loss of all that he went through with his children. But identifying though that yes, in the end, this momentary affliction, 2 Corinthians 4, it's here for a moment. And thank God for that. But the life we will live from the life hereafter is for eternity. And so make sure that your eternal life is impacting your, your you know, your, the contemporary, contemporary life that you're living right here, right here on earth. So Hosea was saying it's like morning mist. It's like smoke from a window. It's there, you can see it, and then it's gone the next. So life is very fragile. That's why instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast, meaning you brag. There's vain glory in your arrogance. And he says that type of boasting is evil. So who cares how much money you plan to make? If it's just arrogance, if it's not the Lord wills, like with a famous, right? Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. So the focus of a Christian is to know and to do the will of God. So when you and I brag about successes, especially before they happen, and you know what, you guys? I will admit, as I have done a time or two on this podcast, maybe I need to admit it a little bit more, and I apologize for that. But I will admit that that has been me. I will brag about successes before they happen. That's arrogant. That's evil. You know, an example of a person who boasted in his successes, who boasted actually in himself, was the rich ruler in Luke chapter 12. So check out Luke chapter 12, 13 through 21. And that right there is what James is saying to these landowners, to these merchants. You guys are boasting in yourself. That's evil. You're arrogant. So if you have an arrogant friend, if you yourself are arrogant, Repent of that sin. And then I love this because he concludes by putting in this phrase, so whoever knows the right thing to do. So bottom line is, stop planning about the future and trying to make a, a trade and trying to make profit and neglect the fact that life is fragile 
life is like a mist and not praying God's will be done. He says, so, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So if you know that you are to honor God, if you know that you're not to boast, but you do it, that's sin. That's what James is saying. Remember he talked about if, if you, if you know, if you see somebody in need and you just bless them, like Jesus said, even, and you don't do anything else after that or anything more when you could, that's sin. So failing to do something, if there's an absence of the good there that God was calling you to put there and you don't do it, that's sin. So the absence of the good is sin. So James, he's ending this section and, and he's ending this section by warning the church not to ignore what he has said to them. You know the right thing to do, he's saying. Sin is not only actively committing acts forbidden by God, which is we refer to as sins of commission. You've committed them. But what he's saying is sin is also not committing to doing something that God has called you to do. That's sins of omission. So you commit the wrong or you commit not doing the right. And in both aspects, they're sin. You know, the rich man in Lazarus, remember in Luke chapter 16, 19 through 31, one of Jesus's most memorable teachings is an example of sins of omission. It's what the rich man failed to do in addition to what he has done. And sometimes that can carry more weight than the actual committed sins. I love what Proverbs says in chapter three, verses 27 through 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. So the other thing, guys, as I close out this podcast, just to remind all of us is let's stop playing games. Let's stop playing games. Don't tell people you care about them if you don't. Don't tell people that you're there to help them if you're not willing to help them. Don't make up lies. It's better for you to say, you know what, to be honest, I'm really struggling with selfishness right now and pride, or I'm really consumed with things in my life right now and I'm really struggling with, you know, again, arrogance. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? I may not be as dependable as you think I am. I think people will be a lot more receptive to that type of honesty than if you just lie to them about you caring for them or that you're committed to helping them when you're not. So do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is your power to do it. And don't say, hey, you know what? I'll help you tomorrow when you can help them right now. So like one little small area is when, and I just failed in this the other day. I said, you know, I'll be praying for your loved one. And again, it was because I had kids, my wife, and I was grabbing things and moving on. And I wanted to leave because I had other things I had to do. So I was feeling like what I had to do is more important than actually saying to that person, you know what, let's pray right now. I wasn't ashamed to pray in public. You know, I do that quite often. It, that wasn't the point. What, what, but what, even worse than that was that I was not in the mood to wait upon this person because I felt like if I prayed with them, then it would just go into deeper things. And sometimes you guys, if you're just tired or you're just, you know, some kind of a mood or in the flesh, that happens. And so I failed to be there for a person who needed me to be there for them. 
And so later I asked the Lord to forgive me. And then I responded to that person later and just said, hey, I've been praying for you and let let them know how I was in, with certain scripture praying through that problem they were going through. And of course, thank the Lord that meant a lot to them as it meant a lot to me. But it just was a reminder, if I can meet the need of someone right then and there. Recently, there was an issue. My wife said, you know, do you want to give to this cause? I said, yeah, let's give to the cause and let's, let's, can we do it right now? So we just didn't forget. And we did. So hopefully that will be a way for you to also say, yeah, that's right. I can't just keep making excuses. Let's help people right away. So you guys, foolish planning for the future is when you plan in arrogance, when you think you have everything under control. And of course, when you're arrogant and you think you have everything under control, then what happens is you think you know best. You think you know better than God. And you think that you can take care of whatever you're trying to take care of better than God. And that's wrong. So let's not go down that path. And finally, make sure that when you're planning for the future, that you understand that I got to be present in the life right now. Life is fragile. And be humble to recognize that. And instead of saying today and tomorrow, I'm going to go do this and do that and make a profit, say, if the Lord wills, I will do that in accordance to his will. So you and I don't boast. And finally, whoever knows the right thing and fails to do it, that's sin. So if you know God is calling you to do something and you need to walk in obedience, I pray that you will do it and God will bless you for it. So you guys, that's James chapter four, verses 13 through 17. I pray it's been a blessing to you as you guys continue to stand strong in your faith. If you want to send me any questions that you might be having or prayer requests, you can always email me at info at standstrongministries.org. Check out our website, standstrongministries.org. If you've not got my latest book, Challenging Conversations, go to Amazon. You can purchase it there or where books are sold. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.